You're listening to the Crackpot Crones podcast with Terry Baum and Carolyn Myers. Hello, this is Terry Baum, slightly world-renowned lesbian playwright. And this is Carolyn Myers, retired warrior princess of comedy. And together we are... The Crackpot Crones. Today, we are going to relate the origin story of the Crackpot Crones. A tale hidden in the midst of time. Or more specifically, it was New Year's Eve, 2008, when the Crackpot Crones came into being. Carolyn and I had been working together on and off since 1972, but we ended up living very far apart. By this time, Carolyn had been living in Ashland, Oregon for many years with her husband and children, while I was a lesbian on the loose, living mostly in San Francisco. Both of us were doing theater all the time. We still visited each other and sometimes went away for a couple of days together, but I decided we needed a real vacation. So I called her up and said, Carolyn, we need to go away for at least 10 days somewhere. And I was really ready to say yes. I was teaching middle school in Medford, Oregon. Rainy, drippy Medford, Oregon. I was teaching special education in a public middle school. So you can guess I was ready for an exotic vacation. All I asked was that we go somewhere warm because it was winter and that there be no work involved. Now, in the 70s and 80s, there was a major back-to-the-land movement in the lesbian community, and there are still many dykes living in intentional communities on the land all over the country. I had a directory, She Wolf's Guide to Women's Land, that listed all these different places, and many of them welcomed visitors. One of the listings was for Casa Feminista in New Mexico. This was a woman's guest house in the mountains of northern New Mexico. I had never been to New Mexico, and it was on my bucket list. This little town, Ojo Caliente, was also the location of a hot springs resort. So I thought, okay, we would be in the mountains of northern New Mexico, which I bet are probably pretty cold in the winter. And Carolyn wants to be warm. But. We can always go to the hot springs and get toasty. Sounded good to me. I called up to make a reservation at Casa Feminista, and the woman who answered the phone said she was Sonia Johnson. I said, are you the Sonia Johnson? And she said, why? Yes, I am. I was blown away. Sonia Johnson being one of our heroes. Yes, yes. We were going to be vacationing in Sonia Johnson's resort. She's an amazing feminist visionary. That's right. She was a Mormon housewife that left the Church of Latter-day Saints and became a radical lesbian separatist writer. She wrote a book called From Housewife to Heretic, which is a source of inspiration for liberation of being able to toss off the oppressions of your life and just go for it. She ran for president in 1984 with the Citizens Party, and she did a hunger strike for the Equal Rights Amendment. She was one of the great activists working for the Equal Rights Amendment, and she writes these astonishing books. She has one of the, if not the, 
most radical mind you will ever encounter. She sees things in a completely original way. Actually, she told us she could hear the trees talking, and I believed her. Here's a quote from Sonia Johnson, just to give you a little taste of what inspired us. Quote, as we become less afraid, we become more dangerous. Patriarchy can exist only so long as women are afraid. Isn't that amazing? That quote is from her book, Going Out of Our Minds, The Metaphysics of Liberation, which is a great radical read. I brought a quote from that book, too. Quote, I always knew that, though I had never cared much what others thought of me and what I did, I would care even less in the future. I realized that for the women's movement to succeed, many women had to be similarly free, not just from the terror of breaking taboos, but from the garden variety fear of social disapproval as well. I love that quote. First, because she says she will in the future care even less about what other people think. I think this loosening of propriety is to some extent true of all us old feminists, although we can always go further. But then also, Sonia specifies that the garden variety fear of social disapproval is as huge an obstacle as the fear of actually breaking the taboos. I am still working on it, throwing off those chains. That's right, those daisy chains of the garden. So to return to our narrative, once she found out that this was the Sonia Johnson, Terry said, well, Carolyn... There was no way we were just going to go stay in Sonia Johnson's house without performing for her. So, although Carolyn's only requirements for this vacation were that we would go somewhere warm and do no wor work, in fact, we were going somewhere cold and we'd be spending quite a bit of our vacation rehearsing our performance. I was thrilled. So we flew to Albuquerque, rented a car, and drove north to the mountains, where Casa Feminista sat next to the fabulous Ojo Caliente Hot Springs Resort, which had a funky community vibe in those days. I rented a bathing suit for a dollar because I didn't bring one. So it was a hot springs where you could rent a bathing suit for a dollar. We ended up going there several nights. Oh, the weather was freezing. It was cold. It was winter in the mountains. It was snowing. Even though Casa Feminista was so close to the hot springs, we could easily walk. Still, we were warned not to have our hair wet on the way back or it might freeze. Now, Casa Feminista was pretty wonderful, too. It was built in the 19th century as the residence for the first colonial governor of New Mexico. It was an old adobe house with two-foot-thick walls. Beautiful, beautiful house, big house. Sonia Johnson and her partner, Jade DeForest, had bought the property three years before in 2005 and had made it extraordinary. With the suites and cabins named after famous lesbian feminists, from Barbara Jordan and Audrey Lorde to the more generic cowgirl cabin. We had rooms in the main building, and we got a great breakfast. Jade ran the place. She did a lot of the construction. She also showed us around, got us anything we needed. Cooked us breakfast. Jade never stops working. Jade never even sits down. She showed us to a big room that would serve as our theater. Sonia and Jade were willing to have us, although they didn't know anything at all about us. They had let the women in the community know we would do a show, and here was this pine-paneled, glowing great room. 
this was going to be the first time that Carolyn and I had performed together since 1977. We were really excited. And I was especially excited to get to act in a certain scene, which I had only read on paper. I said, oh, Terry, at last we'll have a chance to do Eve in therapy. And Terry said, what's that? Now, Eve in therapy was a scene Terry had written, but she had completely forgotten about it. I'm a bit of an idea factory. I have an idea, and then I get another idea, and I move on to that one. And I count on you, crony, to remember my or more excellent ideas. I do have a better memory for Terry's work than she does. That's beyond the shadow of a doubt. And in this case, I had somehow managed to save, through all the various moves I had made, these two pages of typewritten material, Eve in Therapy, which is about the Eve of biblical fame. So while we were on our, quote, vacation, unquote, we spent most of our time developing our show and a lot of time improvising and expanding Eve in Therapy. And I had said all I wanted was to be warm and not do any work on this vacation. And here I was in snowy mountains rehearsing. Oh, Carolyn, you know you loved it. It's true. I love vacations, but I love being on tour even more. Now, the day before the show, we were making up the program and we realized we didn't have a name. Luckily for us, on every nightstand by your bed at Casa Feminista. Just like the Gideon Bibles you, that used to be left in motel nightstands. There was placed a copy of The Wickedary by Mary Daly. Webster's first intergalactic Wickedary. And this book contains many, many definitions. Terms which are needed to describe the process of waking up to feminism, but which are, as of yet missing from the English language. And in the Wickedary, I found this descriptor. Crack pot crones. Outrageous be laughing women whose laughter melts down the plastic passions and unpots the potted. And I thought, well, that's us. So the crackpot crones premiered that New Year's Eve for Sonia and for Jade and the other women of Ojo Caliente while snow fell in the mountains. There were 15 women in the audience, something like that. Yes, it was warm and intimate inside the great room. And then the word spread in Ojo Caliente, and the audience demanded another performance. And that second night, there were 30 women. We started the show with the opening scene of my play, One Fool. I enter through the audience, and I stay there, studying all the women until I find a likely candidate, and f I fall in love with her. I'm ecstatic. But ecstasy turns to disillusion in about 90 seconds. I break up with her. Then I fall in love with another woman. Break up with her. Fall in love, break up. Fall in love, break up. Going from ecstasy to disillusionment again and again. I had seen one fool on stage and loved it. But this time, I was seeing it huddled in our makeshift offstage area, beneath a flight of stairs, hidden near the wood stove, peeking over the wood pile. And I watched it unfolding, with the audience opening up to how incredible this performance is. And seeing Sonia and Jade so happy, because of course they had no idea who we were, how we were the perfect fools for their queenly gathering. We did an audience sing-along of The Twelve Days of Family Insults, a holiday song from our play Dos Lesbos. 
we performed body feminist improvisations based on suggestions from the audience. And Carolyn wrapped her epic poem, Shebop, which tells the story of her twisted quest to find the goddess. Oh, and then there were two other poems, Crony. I had this huge crush on Jade DeForest, who was truly magnificent. She had mentioned how much she loved horses. Now, my friend in Oregon, Dory Apple, is a poet and had written these great horse poems. I wanted to talk to her on the phone. I had to climb a hill to get good cell phone reception. It's the night before the show. It's snowing. It's freezing. It's getting dark. And Dory is reading me her poems over the phone. I am hunched over, holding the phone between my shoulder and my ear so that I have my hands free to scribble them down in my little notebook. Later, Jade mentioned she liked them, and so I felt very, very happy about that. Oh, pitiful. Really, a crush can be pitiful. And we ended the show with Eve in Therapy. Let's read a few pages of the beginning of Eve in Therapy. Yes, indeed, we will act it out for you. Now I play Eve, who is finally seeking therapy after 5,000 years of feeling guilty for that bite of the apple. And my character is Lilith. Lilith was Adam's first wife, but she refused to submit to Adam. That really pissed off Adam and God. And Lilith said, to hell with both of you, and left Eden and went and lived with the demons. She was the first uppity Jewish woman. And in this scene, set in the current day, she's become a therapist. She's Dr. Lilith. Meanwhile, back in Eden, God, having learned his lesson about unruly women, creates a wifey for Adam out of his rib, guaranteeing that she will be subservient to him. At least that was the plan. So we are in Dr. Lilith's office, and I, Dr. Lilith, am expecting a client. Let Eve in therapy begin. Oh, I am expecting a client. I am so anxious to meet her. She has made appointments to see me seven times, and six times she has canceled. Now she's due any minute. I could tell from our phone conversation that she has very low self-esteem. Oh, terrible. So common among women. Come in. Ah, Yes, Eve, come on in. Hello, Dr. Lilith. Eve, I am very happy to see you. Okay. Sit down, make yourself comfortable. Okay. You made a good decision by coming to see me, Eve. Thank you, Dr. Lilith. Now, tell me, Eve, why are you here? Well, Dr. Lilith, I have a lot of guilt. And what do you feel guilty about? The fall of mankind. It's all my fault, you know. Oh, I don't. Yes. I don't know that. Yes, oh yes. You feel personally responsible for this fall of mankind? Everybody says I am. Oh, that doesn't make it true just because everybody says so. It isn't just everybody. Who else is there besides everybody? You know, up there in heaven. You know who? Oh, well, you know who up there can be wrong, too. No. Yes. No. Yes. That's really too much to take in. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Let's take things back. 
back to the garden? Yes. It was perfect in the garden. We were so happy. Adam was the perfect man, and I was the perfect woman. And out of all this perfection, Eve, what happened? It's the garden that everybody wants to get back to. We are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Many of us do not want to get back to the garden, Eve. We are happy to live in the world. But now, tell me what you did that made you feel so guilty. Everybody knows what I did. I need to hear it in your own words. Oh, and you know exactly what I did. I I know who you are, Dr. Lilith. You were Adam's first wife. I have to admit that part of coming here today was because I wanted to see you. You didn't like Adam very much, did you? No, I couldn't stand him. I left Eden to get away from him. I'm really sorry you had to end up with him. Well, it was very hard to find good men back then. There was only one. Oh, I still think you could have done better. That guy was lousy in bed. Did he try to get you to lie beneath him every time like he tried to do with me? And we didn't even have a bed in Eden. All those sticks and stones poking into your back. I said, I'm on top this time, Mr. Oils. Wait a minute, Dr. Lilith. Are you trying to tell me that there's more than one way to do it? Well, as a matter of fact, Eve, there are an infinite number of ways to do it. No. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. That's really too much to take in. You yelled at Adam, and you yelled at God, and you ran out of the garden into the world, and look what happened to you. Yes, Eve. Look what happened to me. I am a person in the world. I am a powerful woman. I have my friends. You have friends. I have my work. I help women like you. Oh, you do. You do. I have a good life. That's what happened to me. And what happened to me? What happened is that you believed all those terrible stories they told you about yourself. All those lies. Adam was boring, wasn't he? Oh, so boring. Always whining about his rib. A real kvetch. And he had to name everything himself, remember? Oh, it was just too bad if you came up with a good name for something. I know. I know. I wanted to name those, uh, fruits. The red globes of autumn shining on the tree of life at the center of the universe. Oh, a beautiful name. Thank you. So, that's a small chunk of even therapy. That night, Terry and I rediscovered our great chemistry on stage together. And since Sonia Johnson had told us that the way to peace... This is one of her main principles. In order for the world to be sane, we all, or at least all of us women, have to do exactly what we want to do all the time, every single moment. And so, for us, it was clear that what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives was to perform together as the crackpot crones. It was a revelation to me. I had always believed, because we lived so far apart, we couldn't really work together. 
Carolyn was in Ashland, Oregon, while I was in San Francisco. What is it, 650 miles? 350 miles. (laughs) See, you still exaggerate it. The point is that I believed it was impossible for us to collaborate. To me, Carolyn moving to Ashland was the great tragedy of my life. Our first show at Casa Feminista showed me that the barrier to us collaborating, the geographical distance between our homes, was a barrier only in my mind. Those first two shows were so easy, it was like falling off a log. We thought that was what it would be like for us from then on. Just falling off a log. And now it's 12 years later. And just like our definition in the Wickedary, we've been unpotting the potted ever since. You'll have to tune into other episodes of the Crackpot Crones to hear about the many logs that we have fallen off since then. <laughs>